0: Every day, people like you are making the decision to start their own business. During this process, there are any number of questions that may come up. On Entrepreneur's Think Tank, we dive deep into the minds of those who have done it before. Learn from their journey as you work to build your empire. Here's your host, Nicole Henderson. another great conversation in the think tank. During this episode, my guest and I talk about her journey in following what she calls purpose-driven momentum during her path to becoming a professional speaker. The entire conversation was great, but one of the nuggets I honed in on was when she discussed the advice given to her by one of her mentors. I'm not going to give it all away, but it has to do with wheels being sturdy. Listen in and see how well you can apply some of the nuggets in this episode to your business growth. I look forward to having you listen in on this conversation with my guest, Jen Buck. Enjoy the show. Well, Jen, thank you so much for joining me on Entrepreneur's Think Tank today. I'm so glad that you've had a a few minutes to tell us about your journey.
1: Yes, thank you so much. I'm happy to be here, Nicole.
0: So, I want to start with a very basic question. Um, Tell us about yourself and what it is you do.
1: So, I am a professional speaker, and I've been doing this now for 24 years. I actually began my career working as a trainer, a leadership development trainer at a startup. And so, I was there for the first 10 years of their inception. And then I went on to professional speaking and I focus on specifically women in leadership. So I travel around, you know, COVID obviously impacted that, but I travel around to conferences, conventions, associations, organizations, and I teach their top tier women. So, yeah. So
0: can you talk about that pivot a little bit? So you spent 10 years and even though it was a startup, it's still like a, a corporate job working for somebody else. Yeah. Um, what was it like to pivot and transition out?
1: You know, I I think I would do it differently now that I've been in the game for 24 years, right? I, I don't know that I was nearly as prepared as I should have been, but I jumped sort of on a wing and a prayer. And I knew that I was going into the National Women's Conference as a speaker. I knew that I was going to have regular work that wasn't a big deal, but I don't think I was prepared for the tax side of it, the, uh, you know, savings side of it, the insurance side of it. And so I really just sort of jumped all in and I'm not sure that my parachute was working quite as well as it could have been. And I think I would do it differently now, right? Because all those things matter long term. And I also wasn't nearly as strategic about how to keep the long-term success going i was just on this women's conference taking everything as it came but i really needed to learn how to put the bricks right or the pavers in place so that there was always a next step so i did it a little haphazardly if i'm honest So you kind of
0: answered my next question about what kind of challenges you had and faced in getting your business started. And so you bring up some of the things that many of us face and wish we had like, here's your handbook of, of how to do this the right way. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think for me that it was somewhat of a safe jump because I knew I had work coming in. But it was, you know, a big eye opener on that first tax season, for instance, right? Because I had all this money being thrown at me. And it was more money than I'd ever made. And I didn't think about what it was like to be an independent. I didn't think about that tax bracket. I had always been an employee. So I was always sort of comfortable. And, you know, it just was easy when someone withheld for you or put money aside for your retirement and all of those things. And so it was an eye opener that first year. And I, I learned quickly, you know, that you, you really do need to be much more conservative and strategic and disciplined than I had ever had to be. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that like any big risk, when you go into entrepreneurship, you, you jump in with enthusiasm, but then the rubber meets meets the road and you realize that to be, successful long-term you really have to have all of these sort of let's say processes and and models and systems in place and i didn't learn that for probably like five years if i'm honest like the first tax season hurt and i got that covered but then it was probably a good five years before i was like oh my gosh like i'm depending on this one entity Women's conference to keep me successful. Like, what happens if this isn't hot anymore? And I I started to make some changes. But it took me about five years because I was like, you know, a pig rolling in the mud. Like this is so much fun. Yeah, this is great. I couldn't couldn't have planned it. So, um, so those
0: were some of the challenges. What was something that went right when you first started?
1: You know, for me, I knew pretty early on that I wanted to be a speaker. I was at a women's conference with my mom. And I didn't want to be there. My mom was hoping that, you know, by a stroke of genius, I would find my purpose. And I don't think she expected it to be found within the role or or job, if you will, of a speaker. She was wanting me to be a doctor, nurse, you know, accountant, whatever, school principal. So when I left there, I knew, I mean, the lightning bolt had hit. I knew that I was going to be a professional speaker. And I was 18. And so for me, knowing that that was the path, knowing that when I got this job at the startup, I was brought in to train people at the time. It was on sort of the old methods of payment systems. And when I say old, I mean imprint old. We didn't even have point of sale systems. And then eventually we went from the old imprint into point of sale and computers and all of that. But all of that to say, for me, stepping into the women's conference when I left that company i knew that i had found my purpose i mean i can tell you the exact stage i was on the exact city i was in i mean i just remember all of it and there was such a rush of of sort of this purpose driven momentum and i knew i was in the right place and that was something i'd never felt before i loved where i was i was there 10 years i loved that company and they're now a billion dollar award-winning brand. I mean, they're, you know, household name, but I never really knew. Never looked purpose. back. I never knew purpose until I stepped on that stage and I never looked back.
0: So did you have uh, mentors in the space or mentors that were speakers to kind of help guide you? I mean, you were lucky in that you had a a client, significant client, mm-hmm. Um, but did you have mentors that kind of guided you? um, I did.
1: Yeah. And I think that's necessary. You know, even today I have colleagues that I look to as a mentor, as even though they're my peers and there are some things I might do better than them, but there are things that they do that just blow my socks off and I need their help, you know, and I need their mentorship. But yes, of course, I do think it's super important that we have someone who, knows something inside out, who's willing to give advice. You know, when I first started out in the, in the startup, I was working with a group of women and they were so free with their support, love, appreciation, protection. And then I went to the next level in this particular company in another state. And I didn't have any of that. And I was no longer in an all-female organization. So I knew what it meant to be supported in that space of, of really feeling truly balanced, right? Knowing I'm good no matter what. I can't do anything that's going to totally fail because these women have me. And then stepping into that other department, if you will, it was such an eye-opener. And so I always sought that out after that. When I had you know, that sort of gap in support... I always sought it out. And so yes, those, those mentors are still in my life to this day, which is crazy. You know, it's been 24 years and these people are still, I just talked to one yesterday. These people are still cheering me on from the sidelines from retirement. They're all in retirement. Right. And I am, I am still just in awe of who they are, you know? So yeah. So have you now,
0: I assume, since added on additional streams uh, of income not to be dependent on the one, what was that process like?
1: You know, I remember the two women who were sitting with me at an airport and we were on the conference and they were asking me what I was doing to make sure that my wheel was sturdy. And that was the phrase they used. What? was I doing to make sure my wheel was sturdy? And I had one spoke. I wasn't sturdy at all. And I remember them saying I needed to get these other areas of my business, which I wasn't looking at it as a business. I was looking at it as as a gig. Mm -hmm. I was out playing every day getting to play with inspired women, right? Getting to do what I always knew I was meant to do. So they were the two women who really got me thinking about building that spoke. So I started thinking very clearly about products, getting published products out. I started to work on building a client list. And that was, that was really hard because I had never sold myself. And I remember them saying to me, if you can't sell yourself, what are you going to do when you don't have someone to sell you? And I remember being like, but I can't, I can't, I can't do this, you know? And I had to learn. And to this day, I have to hustle. Yes, I've got people who sell me, but I also am out there mining for new business myself, you know? So they were the ones who really got me thinking about building a business. And again, that was probably five years in. I'd been playing for five years. And skating by and living large and knowing every bar and restaurant across the country because that's what it was for me. Like I get to go play in new cities every day, you know? And it was really because of those two women that I started thinking about my business as a wheel and making sure that I had lots of spokes.
0: I've never heard it phrased that way, but it makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. Um, Even when I have um, spoken with other women on the podcast about scaling up, and what does it look like for growth, they all talk about these different areas that they want to and need to move into. But that terminology is just spot on as yeah. far as what needs to take place. So I'm going to definitely take that as a Good. nugget of the day. I appreciate that. Um. So speak about, you've got a Book or books, or speak about some of that about how, how you became a published
1: author in all of this. Sure, sure. So I became a published author pretty early on, and I, I've actually written six books. One of them is a bestseller, which is sort of fun and exciting. And they've gone into multiple prints across the world and 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 been and been translated, and and that's that's fun. But you know, the thing about writing is that. Everybody can do it, but for some reason, not everybody does. Everybody can self publish now, and not everybody does. So it's a very small world of published authors. And yet, it's probably one of the most important things that you can have on your calling card. Because I think, and I don't know the exact numbers, but I think it's something like two to 8% or something like that of people are actually published authors. Oh, wow. Yeah. I wouldn't and, have it would be that low. Yeah. It's a tiny little number and anybody can go on to, for instance, Amazon, I think it's called direct or Amazon, something like that. And you can publish your work. You can get your ideas out there and become a thought leader. And look, it can be a flop. I've got lots of flops, trust me. But I also, nobody, no, nobody cares that it was a flop. What they care about is that I did it, that I had publishers that I got out there. Um, I've got one sub, one self-published book. Not one person has ever asked me, are you published or self-published? No one. And so those books are important. And what people love to do, which I think is kind of fun and funny. They love to brag when they bring you in about how many books you've written.
0: Isn't that funny? That's true. You always hear that in the short bios. Mm -hmm. Yes. best-selling author, six published books, you know, and you know, I can hear the intros now with that being
1: part of the, it's It's a huge, huge feather in your cap. And I promise you, no one has ever asked me in all of these years, are you a self-published author or would you actually published? No one. They don't ask that. Nobody asks that. I mean, it's rude, right? You might as well ask me how much I weigh. And so It's one of those things that is so important and now so accessible. And any person, any woman who I'm coaching, I say, get your words out there. I don't care if it's a mini book because mini books are really big right now. And I, you know, get something out there, 50 words, 50 pages or less, just get it out there and allow yourself to be a published author. It's huge. Wow. I definitely didn't know the percentage was that
0: low. I would have assumed it to be higher than that. But as you think about it, you know, I do hear people talking about, Oh, and I'm one of them. I'm guilty. I'm going to put this in a book one day. I'm going to put this in a book and get it out there one day. And it's nowhere near as hard as it is. It used to be. Mm-hmm. So now do that excuse right. is, <laughs> is, 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 is gone. So <clears throat> definitely duly noted. Um, so you are juggling multiple things. How do you balance it all?
1: Well, you know, that is kind of the, the big question, right? I don't know that I do. If I'm going to be completely transparent with you, I don't know that I do. You know, I'm, I'm the CCO for a foundation full-time. I'm a speaker and trainer full-time. I take on coaching clients. I take on contracts to coach people who want to be speakers. And the truth is, I don't know that there is such a thing as balance. You know, I stayed in my pajamas all day yesterday and watched movies and ate literally Fritos, barbecue Fritos in my bed. I mean, that was my day off and I did nothing. But I do work long hours and I'm trying to change that, you know, because the pandemic sort of flip things for me. I always felt like I had such balance because I could jump on a plane, shut the world off and do work for like five hours as I was traveling or 12 hours or whatever it was. And then the pandemic all of a sudden took the whole idea of even being able to speak away. So we all had to pivot and hustle and sort of recreate everything and quickly transition into online everything, right? And that was... Social, that was your assets, you know, your marketing, your your speaking online, the whole thing. Home office looking like it was a real office and not just, you know, a corner of your bedroom. And so I had to, I had to work fast. And honestly, I got in a habit of working about 12 hours a day. And I'm trying to break that because my 12 hours a day, which I don't do 12 anymore, I'm, but I I definitely do 10. I think that it is. Self-imposed guilt, because I was caught up in it. and it seemed like that was the thing to do because I had to catch up to all this technological stuff. But now it's not a badge of honor. It's risky, frankly. you know, I hit the fifty mark. It's risky. Yeah. And so I need to really think about what matters most. and so i don't I don't beat myself up for having, PJ days—that's what I call them—where I sit in bed and eat Fritos or Funyuns or just you know frozen yogurt, whatever it is. Like I, I take those days, and I've made a commitment to myself that I'm going. We have a pool. I'm actually going to use the pool every day, even if it's just taking a call, sitting on the edge of the pool with my feet in it. I'm going to actually use it, you know, because during the pandemic, for those two years, I hate to admit this out loud, I didn't go in the pool once. Oh, wow. I know. So that's why I can just be completely transparent with you and say that I don't know that I figured it out, but I'm trying. And I don't advocate for these 12 to 15 hour days because it's not a badge of honor. It's not impressive. It's overworking yourself and putting your future at risk, right? So I'm trying to take my own medicine and I probably... I'm probably in the 9 to 10 range right now of of trying to reel it back. So,
0: Yeah, I think that that um, hustle culture mentality is starting to shift. Yeah. And uh, the pandemic likely expedited that, which is good. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, I think that you have answered the balance question like each of the women that we have interviewed is, there is no such thing, you know, it, it ebbs and flows. So it's interesting to see in all the different industries that you all are in. um, It's still, there's no such thing. Right. (laughs) You know, we just make it work for whatever particular situation that they have going on.
1: Yeah. I have a, a great partner. I will say that. And because I work the kind of hours I do, I've got someone who shows up for all the house stuff, chores, shopping, cooking, shows up more than I do. So I have to say that I sort of scored, you know, a home run on that one, that I have a guy who who sees how much I love what I do, but he, he also knows that he's got the time, he can do it, you know, and he does. So I, I have to say, you know, the whole question of can women have it all? I don't think so unless they have a partner who is also willing to give their all right. I just think it has to be everyone giving their all together. So, yeah.
0: So I I did want to ask a follow-up as to how the pandemic affected your industry, um, which I know in the line of work that I'm in, several events were canceled. We did some online. They weren't necessarily as well attended. And then, then now it's gotten to be some well attended online events. So how did, uh, how were you affected um,
1: by the pandemic? So I think the easiest answer is to just be honest and say my business was decimated. I had in two months, two years worth of gigs just cancel overnight just within two months, all my income was gone. And that was really scary. Now, my partner, John is a builder. He renovates homes and he's never been busier, right? Because everyone's in their homes now looking at that hole in the wall or that shade of whatever that they don't like, or that cabinet that creaks. So he was busier than ever. And I was over here trying to learn everything I possibly could to ramp up and be able to compete in this online world. And everywhere I was looking, as I was trying to create, you know, this momentum and contact clients and all of that, I found out from some really good clients that they were being bombarded. Every speaker in the world was saying that they are now an online certified trainer and yada da da da. and they couldn't they couldn't weed through the requests. So I did something that was, Honestly, a privilege, and I recognize that because John's business was doing so well. But I decided to offer every single one of my clients, who I had had for 22 years, free training through the end of the year. So from March to December, I gave out all free training and all free coaching. Now, I knew what I was doing. I knew that I was reinvesting in them. They'd invested in me all of these years. They were being bombarded and I was going to make sure that I supported them through this. And I have never worked longer hours in my life than I did in 2020. And I made almost zero money, zero, not one penny. But I will tell you that the seeds that I planted that year were extraordinary. Yep. Those companies know that I did it for free and I did week after week after week after week for free, month after month for free. And so it did pay dividends eventually. And the loyalty was really solidified, which is nice, right? But I knew what I was also doing. I knew that I, I wasn't going to compete with the noise. And I was also in a position to be very privileged because of what John was going through in his business, surge, And we made a decision that that's what I was going to do. And it was probably the best decision I have made in my entire career.
0: I'm sure because now you'll probably see referrals coming in um, and everything just from people being able to see your commitment to their business.
1: That's right. um,
0: And what you were willing to do yeah. So, what keeps you motivated with the ups and downs of of business like it is? What keeps you motivated?
1: Well, I think mostly I could tell you that I'm just naturally super energetic. I'm naturally optimistic. So, I think those are sort of priceless things that I I have to sort of give credit to. Like I don't I wake up in the morning and I'm just, you know, energizer bunny, ready to roll. Let's go, let's do, let's try, let's, you know, find whatever it is. So, I I'm very much a life lover but i also am competitive and i want to recreate i want to learn new things i want to i want to get a hold of that person or finish that project or whatever it is and i have i found through the pandemic and this is so bizarre i've never been techie in my whole life i'm a creative that's why i'm good at what i do i'm a feeler I'm a creator, I'm an outside of the box, box thinker and that's been sort of a superpower for me. And when when the pandemic hit, you know, I had to lay off any and all people who've ever supported me in my career. Mm-hmm. And that meant all of my tech support, everything. So the people who did my websites, my workbooks, my my promotional assets, um everything. And I had to I had to learn it. And that's where those 15-hour days came in that I told you. Just I was bound and determined to figure this out. Well, the weirdest thing happened. I realized I love technology to create beautiful things. I love it. I love creating speaker assets. I love creating websites. I love all of that stuff because it's just an extension of all my creativity. It's not a crayon. It's not, you know, pencils. It's not markers, whatever. It's this huge, huge database that can support a billion times more than that, you know? And so for me, it's, and I, I've completely off topic. I realize at this point, but for me, I, I just found that sort of learning to do things, trying new things, those were the things that really motivated me because all of a sudden I felt capable. And that's the word I was trying to get to eventually. I felt capable and less reliant, in other words, less unstable, which is what the pandemic promoted all this time, right? Was this sort of fear of instability. We're all unstable. And it allowed me to have this really cool reliance on myself instead of others. And I think that's a big driver for me. And I never realized it was until all this happened.
0: Yeah. And I think it'll be beneficial even, I'm sure, if you haven't already ramped back up and and brought people back on now, you know, you know, a different level of what to expect, what to ask for and things like that. And some of the areas that um, you may have allowed for people just to uh, work through their expertise in those different areas. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: So what is a piece of advice that you wish you were given um, early on in your career that you would like to share with others that may be interested in the field of speaking
1: the most important thing is to get out and speak get out in front of audiences i was lucky when i was at discover card the startup i was in front of an audience every day often two times a day morning class afternoon class My job as a leadership development trainer was to train all levels of leadership within the organization. And so it was always in front of audiences. And so by the time I went to audition for this new life outside of corporate America, I was so comfortable with audiences. And yet people tell me all the time when I'm coaching them that to be a speaker, that they have a message, they have a story. They want to be on a a stage and they want to help people, but they're afraid to step in front of an audience, get in front of an audience, get over it. You've got to be in front of an audience. And I'll tell you, if I knew that when it comes to speaking and what the pandemic has done, if I knew speaking was going to only be in front of a camera, I never would have done this. Mm -hmm. Let me say that again. Mm -hmm. I never would have done this. Because speaking in front of a stage is magic. Bonding with people soul to soul across space and being in their energy and feeling, literally feeling the ride that you're on together, there's nothing. And that's a capital underlined bolded nothing that matches it. Because it's a, it's a soul energetic thing. And I am not woo-woo. But it's a soul energetic thing that I can't even tell you what it is, where it comes from. I have an idea. But I... I would never have done this if it meant I had to sit behind a camera every day all day forever. So get in front of an audience. I don't care if it's a, a you know a congregation at church, I don't care if it's a bunch of kids at your local y. Get in front of audiences and get footage of everything. Mm. Pictures, video, yeah. get footage of everything and always remember everything needs to be done landscape not portrait when you take pictures or videos never ever ever portrait because when you end up putting it into your speaker reels eventually and you put it on you know line everything has to be in this this landscape mode yep to fill up the space you Mm. do and I wish people would have told me that early on but let me tell you I tell everybody now get in front of audiences and get that footage
0: Mm, great advice um, what does the future hold for your business? Uh, what does it look like three years from now, five years from now? Um, what does the future hold?
1: Well, I hope that I am continuing to do what I do. I don't ever want to not do this. I mean, that's the thing after a lifetime of pretty much only this, other than like in high school being a waitress. I've always been in front of audiences. I've always been a teacher. I've always been what I call a messenger. And I think I will do this until my last breath. I really don't even intend to retire. I don't look forward to retiring. I don't I don't want that. I just love what I'm doing and I identify so much with it that I plan to continue. I'm excited about leading organizations. I've got of course as I mentioned this chief communications officer role that I have in this foundation and I love doing it. I love being able to make a difference in an organization, a community, a mission. I love that. So I really hope that I can continue to do sort of all the things, you know, being a leader of people makes me a better speaker also. So whether it's leading a campaign, leading a community project, leading a team, that's important to me as well. So I hope that I'm able to continue to make an impact in communities like I'm able to do as the C, you know, CCO, but I plan on speaking forever and hopefully that's at South by Southwest and that's at, you know, Branson's events and that's at all these big thought leader spaces. I mean, that's always the goal, right? And I, I want to bring others up with me. So I do a lot of coaching and a lot of training to get new speakers out on the platform, through my connections, through my sort of strategies and systems, I, I teach people because i I had so few. You know, my mentors were awesome. but i think I think I needed more, and I would have liked to have known all of this before five years in. and i I make that a real big priority to me to make sure I help new speakers out with that as well. So hopefully I'll just keep doing what I'm doing because I truly love it.
0: That's great. You know, you found your passion when you don't look forward to retiring.
1: (laughs) No, I can't imagine. Honestly, I can't imagine.
0: Well, Jen, thank you so much for taking some time to uh, be with us today. I do want to uh, give some space to if somebody wants to get in touch with you or book you or anything like that, what's the best way to reach out to you?
1: So, my website, actually, everything, everything in my whole universe is Jen. One N, so Jen, J-E-N, Jen Buck Speaks, like I'm speaking right now, Jen Buck Speaks. So my website's JenBuckSpeaks.com, and every single social platform is at Jen Buck Speaks. So everything, it's all just sort of one easy breezy thing. And you can get in touch with me in all the places. I'm the person behind the screen. I don't have people who are answering for me, no bots, right? None of that is happening. It's really me. So I answer everybody.
0: Well, that's fantastic. We will link your information in the show notes and just thank you again for your time today. I am sure that you have inspired somebody even today um, in our audience and I appreciate your, um, your time today. Thank you, Nicole.
1: It was a pleasure.
0: We hope that you have enjoyed this episode of Entrepreneur's Think Tank. We know the journey of entrepreneurship is not easy, but when you dive into the Think Tank, we hope to make your experience a little better than it may have been. Until next week, enjoy the journey.